Dr. Wesley, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. On the Batbone broadcast. This is your first uh, podcast. First podcast ever. What? How is that? It uh, is interesting. <laughs> Ask me that in about uh, how right. long is this going to take. Right. <laughs> you how, said, I, I, my answer may be different afterwards right. than before. You're saying you have a face for radio. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Or, right. <laughs> I'm a good-looking radio guy. Right? <laughs> I mean, don't we all, right? Awesome. Awesome. So you are a vascular specialist. Yes. Okay. And what does that, because I hear that, I'm like, okay, like heart doctor, kind yeah. of? You know, that that is the normal response. And in fact, you get that response even from other physicians of other specialties. Mm-hmm. The, the truth is, is that there's no such recognized specialty as a vascular specialist. Mm-hmm. What I really am is a vascular surgeon. Okay. The problem is, is that um, people associate that understandably with surgery. Mm-hmm. And as a vascular specialist, you know, I treat all conditions of what we call the peripheral vascular system. And basically mm-hmm. all of the blood vessels outside of the heart and the brain. Okay. So that's the peripheral vascular system. Got it. Um, but we not only treat those things surgically, but we treat them non-surgically and minimally invasively. And so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, vascular surgery as a name was born out of the fact that we are a, uh, a spawn of general surgery. Okay. And, okay. Um, but we've branched out and we're different enough from general surgery that we're really our own specialty now. Okay. Got it. So not general surgeon, but you're kind of like derivative of that, right? That is correct. Okay. Because, I mean, there are specialists just for heart doctors. That's right. And you're just, okay. So like thinking vascular That's veins, right. arteries, but, yeah. um, and we're, the reason why I made this podcast was to get men on the on course with self care. Yes, I feel like you are a really good fit for like basic health, right? Yeah, absolutely. And even to the nitty gritty of blood vessels, right? Yes. So even in your experience, are you seeing more? Would you say you see more men or women coming to you for help? Yeah, typically more men, depending on the type of vascular condition that we're mm. talking about. Okay. Um, you know, atherosclerotic. Sclerotic disease is, is a disease that is basically sort of defined by plaque forming in arteries. Okay. And earlier in life, in, in one's 20s and 30s, um, men tend to have a higher um, propensity for forming that plaque. Okay. Um, actually, estrogen is somewhat protective of that in the beginning. Not completely, huh. but somewhat more protective than, than, right. um, than not having it. Got it. And then later on in life, those, those numbers sort of uh, equal out. Historically, men used to smoke more than women, although that changed many, many years ago. Right, right. And so smoking is a big part of what causes some of the disease that I treat. Got it. Um, Vein disease is something that, depending on what type of vein disease that you're talking about, may Mm -hmm. either equally affect men and women, uh, i.e. blood clots in the vein, so on and so forth, or Mm. uh, affect women more. Uh, varicose veins, things like that. Okay. Yeah. And varicose veins are? Basically, you know, very large, tortuous, rope-like veins that you see on the legs. And we've Got all it. seen them. If if you're in Florida, you know, we see oh, yeah. shorts for, you know, 10 months out of the year, <laughs> you'll see varicose veins. And right. Anybody eight, ranging from the age of 18 on up. Is that, I mean, in my experience, it's like, oh, just because they're on their feet all day. Yeah. Like a barber yeah. or like a server, right? Yeah. Okay. It, it's a, there, there's a genetic predisposition for it. Okay. Um, and then your occupation will definitely influence whether yours are worse than not. Right. I mean, if you happen to be, you know, an astronaut, mm-hmm. like if you and your twin brother happen to be, one happens to be an astronaut and you happen to be a bartender, mm-hmm. you both have the same genetic predisposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the astronaut will have, will be less likely to have severe varicose veins than right. will, you know, the bartender. So. Well, we're brought down by the gravity, man. There we're you being go, brought man. down by this earth, man. I'm telling you. you can't escape it. it. it which is kind of nice that we don't go floating right. off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so. So what got you into this, though? So vascular surgery as a specialty of general surgery, um, like any other specialty, mm-hmm. you typically make a decision early on to go into the, the more foundational specialty and sure. then in that start to decide to to subspecialize is what it's got it called. like you go to school for business but then That's you go exa- finance or... exactly international okay. business and that kind of thing yeah, so yeah, yeah. um i actually chose general surgery as a specialty out of medical school because that's the first decision 
you know, you have to make. You're in medical school, you can become anything from mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. dermatologist to a pathologist to a radiologist to whatever. Got it. Um, so you have to make this critical decision, which, dire- which direction do I want to go in? Mm-hmm. And I actually started off um, thinking that I wanted to do obstetrics and gynecology. Okay. And and sadly not based on a whole lot of information. I had a friend whose dad mm. was an was, was an obstetrician who was kind of a cool guy. And, right. And um, just talking about what he does, and you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Right. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> and 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 sadly, and I'm embarrassed to say this, this was kind of part of my influence now. Uh, but there was you know the iconic show, the Cosby Show, back in yeah. the 1980s. Okay. Uh, and uh, the the character played by the now infamous Bill Cosby was um, was an obstetrician. Okay. Okay. And he lived lived this really cool life, you know. Had enough time to have a thirty minute sitcom every right. week. And so, <laughs> this so, is the life. So I was guided by that, having no um, you know no other influences to tell me which direction to go mm-hmm. in. So mm-hmm. I met a few general surgeons, and the general surgeons were not very nice people. So. All I knew was that I didn't want to be a, a general surgeon and that I really liked OBGYN, obstetrics okay. and gynecology. Okay. Um, so in your third year of medical school, you set up your rotations, um, your clinical rotations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so in the beginning, first two years, you're just doing basic, you know, science type of stuff. Sure, sure. Third and fourth years, you're literally seeing patients and doing rotations and specialties and things like that. And how, so, how nerve wracking is that to like it, see your first patient? It it, it is uh, it, it is interesting. Now your 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 hand is held pretty tightly. Sure. So uh, depending on the specialty, you know, they may uh, in surgery we did trauma and trauma was literally dr- jumping in with both feet. <laughs> um, we would go to the emergency room and before you know. Uh, you ever were an expert at it, you were sewing up wounds, that kind of oh, thing. Okay, so they yeah. just kind of hand it off to you like, and watch you do it, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That's exactly right. Is it ever just like, well, getting thrown in, right? Is it ever just like, an, there's definitely an observation stage where you're just watching? It? Oh, yes. There's a lot right. of that. And to be frank with you, you know, I am now 53, which means I went through this um, some 30 some odd years ago. Mm-hmm. Training has changed a little bit. There's a, there's a lot more hand holding and observation. Okay. Um, and I think rightfully so. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you're in a large hospital um, that sees a whole lot of trauma, uh, you might end up sewing up a wound, even if you're not the expert. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. That that normal. happened quite a bit. Now, what the good side of that is that as the trainee, you really get good at it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> figure you, know, it out. May, you might not have the, the best, if, if you're the guy getting cut, you may not have the prettiest, uh, suture of your wound back then, but, nice. but, 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 but you, you, you definitely took one for the team. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, it, you're in good hands. It's going to be the prettiest, yes. but we're still learning. You got to learn yes. somehow, right? Yes. But yes, yes, you're yes, not going to yes. be at, at risk. Right. That's right? exactly right. That, that is exactly. I mean, the truth is, is you can argue that. Um, if you go to an emergency room now and have a laceration in your arm, mm-hmm. usually it's an emergency room physician or one of their you know, PAs or someone like that sewing it. Mm-hmm. Now, one could argue that a plastic surgeon would be better at sewing up wounds, period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we don't have plastic surgeons, enough plastic surgeons to sew up all right, wounds. So right. by definition, you're just never going to have the most skilled person all the time to do something like sewing up a wound. In the end, the only difference is, is that you go from having a beautiful wound to a to an okay right. and acceptable wound. Right. It's kind of like brings me back to Seinfeld when they're like, hey, well, take this doctor because he's the best. Yes, like, yes. Would you not want to go to a doctor that's not, that, that's, that's that's not that's, the best, right? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. That is exactly but right. I um, I think like what what at what point is it the let go phase, right? Like what point are you are in leaving training and entering like doing it yourself? So that takes a while. Okay. That takes a while. Um, and in fact, even when you are finished with all of your training and you are board certified, so, you know, there's a, quite a bit of training for general surgery. It's a five year residency. And when I went through, you had to do additional training for vascular surgery, ranging from one to three years. Um, and so even when you've done all of that and you've taken all of the tests to prove that you're proficient at it, yeah. you know, there's still a degree of, you know, uncertainty. And so, uh, depending on the circumstances, is you know, even if it's a virtual umbilical cord, there's always something there that tethers you to the fact that mm-hmm. you're not the most experienced person. Mm-hmm. So, if you join a group with more experienced folks, in fact, one of your former neighbors was was one of my mentors in that way. Got it. Um, huh. 
And uh, so um, it really requires, you know, it, it, it is, it's after a few years in practice that you really feel comfortable mm-hmm. completely sort of letting go of the umbilical cord. Right. And it, yeah, it's interesting to see, like, even at that level of profession, like, it's still a learning curve. It's it's still a lot of observation, still a lot of refinement. Absolutely. And it's it's not just, oh, we're just going to jump in. That's we're just, right. It's very closely monitored. That's right. And when you say, like, yeah, we're practicing, it's not a let go of the leash, right? It's That's a, exactly right. You're holding on the leash, like, oh. Yes. Is there ever a time where... Have you ever witnessed a time where someone was practicing or getting reps in, I call it, and someone yes. took over? Uh, yes. So honestly, if, if it's done correctly, um, most surgeons will have enough humility to know when they are in an unfamiliar mm. environment. Mm-hmm. And that can happen for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Either A, you're new and you've just not had a chance to see a lot, or B, you're taking care of something that is fairly rare. Mm. And a rare thing may uh, go without, a, a surgeon may go an entire career without seeing a rare thing. So right. no one surgeon is ever going to be, you know, in those situations, you know, an expert, quote, quote unquote, in that thing. Right. And so first and foremost, it requires a degree of humility to say what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that someone having to jump in is because you're just inexperienced. You've just not been around long enough. And the other thing is just when, you know, it's in a rare condition that you've not seen. Um, and if you do it right, you'll, you'll plan that ahead. I've not done a lot of these. Let me get a whole lot of brains in on this. Or if there is a center somewhere in the United States that sees a lot of these rare conditions Mm -hmm. and the patients are able to sort of, you know, have the resources to get to that facility, then you Mm -hmm. may refer that patient out to another facility. And it's interesting to have that humility aspect too. Is that something that they instill in you through school or is that, you can't weed that out or? No, you know, I I, I think mentors tend to um, help you with that. If you have the right mentor, you know, there's something that has to be, I think for the lack of a better phrase, I'm going to say confident, not arrogant. But there mm-hmm. has to be something bordering arrogance to be a surgeon. There is a, you know, there is a, um, y- you are oftentimes faced with circumstances that if you do not make the right decision, someone dies or mm-hmm. someone loses a limb. Sure. And if you don't have at least enough confidence to deal with that issue expeditiously, that patient could lose their life. Their life. And so I think mm-hmm. it breeds a little bit of confidence, um, bordering on arrogance Mm -hmm. but not all circumstances call for that sure usually uh if you have a good mentor that sort of um um that uh instills in you establishing that balance and there is a magical balance between a confidence and humility and what what would you find that as uh what that balance is yeah between like confidence and arrogance yeah yeah, yeah so so the difference between confidence and arrogance is uh, arrogance assumes that you know when you don't know. Mm-hmm. Arrogance is usually um, unjustified confidence. That's okay. the way I would put it. Okay. Arrogance is unjustified confidence. Um, confidence is when you know, and you know you know, uh, you have no problem you know, exerting that. Look, if you, you know you know, the laws of physics and gravity enough to know that if you drop something from your roof, it will fall and you know it. You don't second guess it. You have the confidence enough not to drop your phone off of your roof. So when you know something, you act appropriately with that knowledge, Mm -hmm. comfortably with that knowledge. Um, But, you know, if there's something more complex and you don't know and you assume you know, well, I know there's no sharks in that ocean and right. then you get in the ocean without the appropriate precautions and then you get bitten arrogance can really hurt you mm-hmm. humility is is the other side of that that coin which mm-hmm. one might think is a handicap but to be frank with you is an important aspect of practicing medicine it is understanding that you are not god right yeah. and um the the you know human physiology and anatomy is very just enough that you can do the right thing under most circumstances mm-hmm. to take care of the most amount of people. But right. there's something you're not going to know. 
And even with that confidence too, like in yourself, you're also having to lead a team, no? Yes. When during the like operation and what does that look like for you in terms of leading others through, it could be one uncertain times, which we had Todd Ormer on last week with leading his team through like the the service industry, uh-huh. bars and restaurants right. through COVID and the recession, right? right? Whereas for you, it's uncertain circumstances of saving someone's life, right? That's right. That's what right. That, what does that look like for you? So basically, it starts with being prepared mm-hmm. because this sort of gets back to the confidence. By, by the way, what arms confidence is knowledge. Mm. Knowledge and skill and practice right. and all those other things. Right. You, you want to be confident based on things. Sure. I mean, you don't want to go out just because you're six foot four and kind of fast thinking that you're really going to be a good basketball player. You right. don't want to have that kind of confidence that didn't come from practice and mm-hmm. all those types of and things. And someone's going to the reps in, the practice, right? That, that's exactly on. right. So right. it starts off with having appropriate confidence uh, in your ability. Mm-hmm. And so when you're leading a team and you have that kind of confidence, without saying a word... Um, there is a um, respect mm-hmm. that is necessary because there is there there certainly is a hierarchical uh, necessity under those circumstances. It, you know, in a very real sense, it's almost military like when it's sure. coming to stuff hitting the fan. You don't have a lot of time for votes yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. those types of things. It has to be look. I am the captain of the of this ship, mm-hmm. and I need to sort of you know run things in that way. Right, because triage was invented in wartime. Yes, but the that's French? exactly right. That's exactly so right. So it is, it is kind of derivative of like militaristic it, origin, It right? really is, and, and appropriately so. So as a leader, so you carry the, the skills and the confidence. If you really want to get the most out of your team, you also know how to motivate them. You, By the way, you educate and prepare them. Mm-hmm. And then you know how to get the most out of them. I, I found myself, it is easy to become frantic, say in a frantic situation, mm-hmm. and to start to yell and to those types of things. But... Mm-hmm. Honestly, it frazzles more people than it motivates. So what I get find, frazzled? yes. So in other right. words, if I start yelling during a, a surgical procedure, mm-hmm. more likely than not, that will frazzle the recipient of that yelling. Then it will motivate them. Has that happened before to you? Uh, it, it, I'm not sure if it ever happened to me as a mm-hmm. recipient of the yelling. I don't tend to get frazzled yeah. as easily, but. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that I understand how that is. And so I had a mentor who had this uh, calm demeanor, but would be very forceful, Yeah. but always um, follow his forceful uh, command with please. And I think <laughs> he did that on purpose. I found myself doing that, uh, you know, kind of calming my voice down and saying, hand me that, please. Right. You know, hand me this, hand me that. Mm-hmm. And that extra, you know, syllable you know doesn't take right. up any more time but it may create a calm enough environment that the folks who are handing you that instrument can sort of act in that way right um there are oftentimes things that when the stuff is hitting the fan you can temporize things for a while and sometimes mm-hmm. it's worth doing that you can hold pressure or do something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then allow everybody to gather themselves right i find that that kind of leadership of a team is very important because it does require a team when you're doing certain right I mean, have you experienced, well, I've got a lot of questions, so, I mean, in that, like, in the frazzle or, like, frantic situation, what was that first experience where you're, like, were you very, where you were very conscious of your actions to mitigate that? Probably in residency. That's one of the good things about residency training. You get a chance, and again, it it has changed a little bit. We had a bit more autonomy Mm -hmm. back in the, you know, early 90s, um, or mid-90s, I should say. I'm not that old. Um, back in the, <laughs> in the mid nineties, uh, we had a little more autonomy and you, you know, first started to be conscious of the, of one's natural inclination for whether you get frazzled or not. Mm-hmm. And then you have to learn the technique for mitigating that again, mentorship mm-hmm. matters because you know, you're practicing, yeah. you don't know how to be into these circumstances. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Like that borderline, like oh, I'm starting to like feel frazzled or I'm starting yeah. to feel uneasy. Like, what is that? Where have you recognized that happens, and how do how do you handle that? I think it happens when you are least prepared. Now, okay. you know, this is kind of you know maybe stepping a little bit out of the world of medicine sure. because sure. again, at this point, 
Um, you know, I, I try to prepare enough that I can predict when I might be in a frazzled situation. So okay. I've preemptively mitigated a bit of it. And that doesn't mean that I don't find situations that might freak me out, but I feel pretty comfortable at this age that if I'm freaking out, anybody would be freaking out under these circumstances. Oh, yeah. If the guy in charge is like, I'm right. losing it, right? Right. That, oh. That's exactly right. So, um, but in things outside of, um, medicine that I am not no I'm certainly no expert but you know there are things that might get you a little frazzled you know mm-hmm. I do a fair amount of boating now and yeah. I'm relatively new at it I'm no I'm no sea captain for what sure can, what kind of boating it's a cruising boat it's yeah, just yeah. Uh, just hanging out kind of no no um, fishing at all uh, yeah, I, I do fish, but I don't like fishing from my boat. It's just too much work, <laughs> too much cleaning up. Right, right. I don't like fish funk, so I will go on chartered boat trips. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but as far as you know, I just like the adventure of boating. So sure. you know, I'll go to the Bahamas and things like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. it's a lot of it is just to you know just to experience, see beautiful things, yeah. you know, face the challenge of you know crossing the Gulf Stream, all those sure. kinds of no things. Big deal. But yeah, exactly. But there have been times, man, that it is you know, you know, you you end up in situations that can be you know, threatening, Yeah. you know, running out of gas in the the little Bahama bank where yeah. there is no, you know, cell phone service. That sounds pretty vaguely specific. Is yes. That, is oh, no, happening? that happened. <laughs> the first time I crossed into the Bahamas, that happened to me. Now, a lot of this was just poor preparation. Oh, I didn't my. trust my fuel gauge. I just knew that something must oh, have man. been wrong. It happened to be a, right. you know, a, a fuel um Was that the arrogance? Sensor. It was definitely a bit of arrogance. Um, one of my colleagues, um, I've crossed with one of my colleagues, and um, I think he gave me a sense of confidence that I should not have had. Uh-huh. Now, it's funny. I got out of the situation, um, not necessarily, a fair bit of luck right. and good fortune. Sure. Um, a whole lot of luck and good are you, fortune. Are you a believer? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Okay. I am. Okay. And so... Um, so, you know, I got out of the situation and I, you know, but it wasn't because of some awesomeness on my part. <laughs> right. I mean, it just so happened. You weren't, you weren't just one or. Oh, no, across, right? no, no, no. And I Paddling. was with a couple of my colleagues. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we all kind of put our brains together and we all you know, found ourselves basically at the last moment, finding this is in the this is the first inhabited thing we've seen since we left the United <laughs> States, and it happens to be a um, a uh, gas tank. It happened to be a, a a gas station, and there was nothing on the chart that would tell me that. All we were just doing was trying to get as close to something that looked man-made as possible, right? Right. Because we knew if it was man-made, it's likely we would have a cell signal or something sure, like sure. that, so that if I get if I ran out of gas, I could just drop anchor. I'm close yeah. by. People. This is in the middle of the ocean. This well, this is in what's called the Bahama Bank. Okay. So you know the the Bahamas Islands, the things that you can step onto, is a raised part of an entire bank. If oh, you, okay. If you drop the sea level by 20 feet, the uh-huh. Bahamas would triple in size, quadruple in size. Oh, okay, right, right. So it's in this bank, but it is still in a relatively uninhabited area. So there's right. no cell phone service, that kind of thing. But as we get closer to this man-made structure, we realize, oh my God, there's a dock. And as we get closer, which is nice, you can tie off to a dock. As yeah, we yeah. get closer to the dock, we realize that there's a gas tank and there's a woman there. And it's oh, just before five o'clock. <laughs> right. And we're able to fill up and make our way in. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, Now that was, you know, that challenges you, right? Because I don't have this grand skill set on dealing with circumstances like that. I'm thinking, right. about what if we run out of water and all these other types yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah. So... Um, it's interesting being challenged to see how you can respond and see how you manage being frazzled in circumstances for which you are not a professional. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that still tests me. Every time I boat, sure. I always find myself, again, now trying to prepare myself even more. I will never find myself in that circumstance again. Because it's um, also a surge and you would think, like, is risk mitigating? And yes. want to take risk on, right. right? So right. interesting. Yeah. Of like, is that just how you kind of fix that? adventurous nerve you got that, that that's exactly right and okay. you know some of us are you know have have more risk tolerance than others sure i still feel the need to be able to control as much as i can now you can't control mother nature you know you can't control say things breaking down sure but you can prepare yourself so for example now in 2021 there is no excuse if you've got the wherewithal and resources to put gas in your car to go, gas in your boat to go across the the, the Gulf Stream, you can buy a satellite communicator. Should never <laughs> be a situation. Now, you know, right. as a grown up, you know, if I were in my twenties, well, as a grown up now, I know that to be obvious. Mm-hmm. In my twenties, 
You know, you feel like you can do just about anything and you'll solve the problem as, as it occurs. Uh, you don't realize that this veneer of civilization that we have is mm-hmm. really thin. Dude, it is scary yes. how fast things can change. Yes. And having no food is so oh, yes. on edge, right? Oh, yeah. And like no water, right? Yeah. So I started composting the bag. I'm like, who has chickens yes. to make like have eggs in case yes. things go south? Yes. Like I, I know whose house I'm coming to. Right, right. Doing that <laughs> I think about that a lot. Like who, like, right, who has the defenses? That's right. right? It's, That's right. Can, can you... Can you find water? Now we're in Central Florida, so you know it's not it's not drinkable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But but, you know, how do you make water drinkable? How do you collect rainwater? Do you have to make a fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Do you know how to make a fire? (laughs) It is a you know a simple thing, and the answer to that question for me is no. Right. Isn't it so like so basic of a survival thing? Yes. Like just turn on a stove, right? Absolutely. And then now it's I killed a chicken, but like. I can't eat it. <laughs> yes, yes. It's that thin veneer of civilization that gives you this sense of comfort. And every now yeah. and then that gets peeled back. Oh, yeah. And the exposure is profound. So in 2020, you know, you have places in Texas where the power grid goes off because of some, you know, unexpected snowstorm and people die. Like in 2021. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you know, our ancestors 10,000 years ago wouldn't have died, right? That would right. have been like a walk in the park for it's them. A, it's every day. Yeah, because they were not protected by this thin veneer mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. civilization. And that has not dulled the senses for them. But for right. us, those senses have been dulled. It's like uh, I always think about the internal workings of things. Like yeah. even your car, it's, yes. I just fill up a gas and goes to room, right? Yes. Well, what happens if you something happens to the engine? Yes. Do you know how it works? That's exactly like, right. Smart plugs, where That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And in the boating world, that's what I found myself having to do. I, I was not mm-hmm. raised, you know, the, these engines are like car engines. Yeah. So, you know, if it's a gas engine, you know, spark plugs. And, sure, sure. You know, they don't really have carbureted engines anymore, but, mm. you know, all of those filters and spark plugs and belts, yeah, alternators, yeah, yeah. batteries, all those things are so important. I didn't grow up with that stuff. And right. so I had to, as a grown man, learn that stuff. Isn't that funny? And like, that and that's part of that whole mitigation strategy. So, the, yes, I want to be adventurous to get out and cross mm-hmm. that Gulf Stream, but I'm going to prepare myself. I'm not flying by the seat right. of my pants. It's not, it's not just navigation or yeah. like preparation of supplies. It's, you have to know how your boat works. Yes. Before you go exactly in the middle of the ocean. Right. It happens more often than we would like to believe. You know, there was uh, the story, and you were probably, I imagine, probably still in high school at the time. Well, yeah. But uh, this was, um, let me think, I think this was right before I got a boat. So this had to be 2010. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, being in high school for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you remember the story of these uh, three football players out in the Gulf fishing. Mm. Th- and I think somebody played for the Bucks mm-hmm, or something like mm-hmm, that, but they're mm-hmm. off in the Gulf fishing. From what I understand, they had lost an anchor, you know, last time they went out fishing. So the the Mm. reason for that, it will be obvious in a second. Now they're out fishing again, the anchor gets stuck. Uh And instead of just cutting the anchor loose and cutting their losses, they decide to try to rev, you know, to, to, you know, roll over the anchor in order to dislodge it. And it flipped the boat. Oh, the anchor wasn't going anywhere. The boat was. Right, right. And so they flipped the boat. Now, this is long enough ago where, you know, most people didn't have satellite communicators. So now sure. they're in the middle of the ocean. The capsized boat. With a capsized boat and two of the three guys died. And by the way, these guys had resources. They're professional football players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like they didn't have the ability to, you know, have all of mm-hmm. these things that would keep you alive. But something just as simple as that. You know, is 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 an example of that thin veneer of civilization being re- peeled back, and nature, when it wants to claim you, doesn't take very long Dude, to do so. It is so uh, jarring yes. to go out. I was out saltwater fishing out of Fort Myers uh, a few months ago, and to be in this essentially like a tin can in the middle of this vast, just I'll say, I don't know how to describe it, just a bowl, just a giant bowl, right? right. Like you can't even see land. It's right. just like. Endless water. Yes. You can't even see another boat. You don't even know. You you're like, oh yeah, I'll I know what direction to swim in. Right. No, right, dude. Right, if right, you're right. turning, if you do a 360, like, you're done. You don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Everything looks the same, and you're like, cool. If someone there's a hole in the boat and yes. it sinks, like we, I'm not making it. Yes. Yeah, and and it and it is that simple. Like you said, something like just a hole in the boat. You know, buddy of mine <laughs> who was a vascular surgeon um, went out with a good friend of his. 
he made some assumptions. The guy had fueled the boat appro appropriately. I think that guy had the same problem I had when he right. ran out of gas. I mean, my my um, you know saving grace was that I had two engines and two sure, gas tanks sure. and stuff like that. So I kind of lucked out, but mm -hmm. um, but this guy did not. Yeah. If the surgeon had not told his wife that he was going out and when they were expecting to come back, they would not have survived it. Mm -hmm. It just as simple as that. Well, it's um. Who is that climber that went out? Uh, this is years ago when I was younger, but he went out hiking, fell in the ravine, or like fell in like this um, like hole, and yes. he got his arm stuck, right? Yes. Was um. That was 127 that, hours. Was yeah, the yeah, name yeah, of that yeah, movie, yeah. I think. But like, like that. right? And you did he have a satellite phone? No. I, I was and, that, even... and and most people didn't have it back then. Right, and that's a thing. I mean, like... most people don't have it now. Right. Um, but now you know there are a lot of companies. You know, I don't know if you have sponsors or anything like that. I don't want to blow up any other. <laughs> but yet. you know, a lot of these not companies not. like so. Garmin, if you're listening, Garmin. Uh, Garmin has uh, has a satellite communicator that's not very expensive for yeah. like three or four hundred dollars. I, I am wearing a watch from yeah. them, but yeah, I, so, I don't know if this has the capability to like send a signal. So probably not satellite, right? Um, because it takes a little bit more power um, to send and receive. Mm -hmm. It's not just a matter of. I mean, really, what you're trying to do if you're out there, it mm -hmm. doesn't. By the way, that can receive easily. Obviously, right. that's but why if you're out same. hiking, right. you know it'll tell you exactly where you are. GPS right. on a on a phone or a watch is easy. Right. It's sending a signal saying, "Hey, come help me." Right. Is is the challenge? And right now, I don't know if the circuitry and something this small would allow mm -hmm. for that. But mm -hmm. but these little communicators are not very big. Sure. And you can at least have an SOS button if nothing else. So like just a ping. Yep. Right? Just click it, mm -hmm. and you can have pre sent messages like. Hey, I'm dying. Please come get me wherever Bring you see snacks. the signal is right. Bring snacks and a whole lot of water. <laughs> right. And right. I don't want to cut my arm off. Like yeah, that kind serious. of stuff. So well. in this in 2021, the technology is such that it should be less and less frequent that people who are doing this stuff recreationally. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking mm -hmm. about folks who do this for survival. If you're you mm -hmm. know, escaping persecution somewhere and you're going across a motion, you probably don't have the money for a satellite communicator. Right. It's like when you go out west and you go away from cities yeah. where it's, you know, that civilization is really yes. prevalent and yeah. it's comforting, right? But you go, I go out west, you go to these farmlands, and it's like, you're not at the top of the food chain anymore no. when you walk out. No. Like, if you don't have your gun, you don't have your shotgun, That's like, right. you might get bit. That's right. <laughs> well, let me tell you, man, I went hiking. This was in 2013. Hmm. So, you know, eight years ago. Again, Technology was such that I did not. Have, I had a I had an XM radio receiver, mm. but I didn't have you know satellite communicator. Sure. Now this is a well hiked um, mountain range. It's it's in the Sierra Nevadas, um, and the, the it's Mount Whitney, which is the highest peak in the contiguous United States. Mm. And um, again, you you walk around sort of with the presumption that this thin layer of veneer will always protect you. You'll always run into somebody or you can always right. pick up a phone or always yell help right. and people will help you. So we're, we're on this hike and we all get separated. And um, at some point, the trail, is, it's, it's all gravel, so it's hard to see a real trail. You don't see like worn, um, you know, worn tracks. In that instant, I realized how easy it is if I just got off this trail a little bit and go just maybe 100 yards, mm -hmm. I might not see anyone or they may not see me depending right. on the terrain. Right. And uh, so, you know, making my way back down and I have run out of water. Now, I didn't bring the filter or the iodine tablets or anything like that myself. But, but the guy who was next to me who was also hiking this trail was not a friend of mine, just mm -hmm. some guy. Right. Um, he thankfully was there and... Um, we're now hiking towards the source of water. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a Floridian, I am a two-dimensional guy, right? Which means right. that the world that I grew up in, if I can see it in my horizon, it is approachable. I can get there within a short amount of time. Right. It's the, it's, you're right, right. The distance is like yes. flat, right? It, walkable. Yeah, if you're flat, if I can see something in my horizon here in Florida, you, I can get there pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. Right, right. In those areas, when there's elevation, that thing may you may not be able to get to that thing in, in a day, uh, you know, depending on the circumstances. Right. And so I misjudged how far the water was, and I found myself for the first time in my life really being thirsty. Now, look, I wasn't going to die. The guy next to me, I'm sure, would have given me some of his water. Sure. 
I wasn't so desperate that I was going to drink behind some complete stranger. But <laughs> had death come knocking on my door, I clearly would have right. had no problem drinking behind the guy. Sure, but, sure, sure. But it was bad enough where I was really thirsty, but not bad enough that I'd drink behind a stranger. And it's um, like being truly thirsty or like hungry, right? And it's, um, I thankfully have not experienced that. But yes. I've gone to the point where like all I can think of is food. Yes. I can imagine doing that for another a day on top of that yeah, or a day or two. It's humbling. Right. It is a humbling experience, man, when you realize how, again, the thing that we take for granted. Right. Water. I mean, literally, you never have to plan your day around how you get water. I I just asked you. 10,000 years ago. Yes. Right. You just asked me and came (laughs) up with this plentiful, clean, (laughs) delicious refrigerator. Right. Right. Water. Bottle. Right. Exactly. That's right. You don't even have to think about it. And, right. and water can appear magically. So what does that say to you, like, based in living in the United States, I mean, versus, I guess, people that maybe don't realize how good we have it here, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think that, you know, number one, it makes you appreciate, if you choose to look at it this way, how thin that layer of civilization is mm-hmm. and how easily that, that layer can be peeled back. And so all of the stuff that you are talking about, I never thought, you know, like composting and, sure. you know, how do you get food? What are the appropriate things you yeah. can eat? How do Growing you get water? Yeah, right. how do you, yeah, all of those things. I never thought about that until I started to think about how thin that layer is. Yeah. Well, it's like you look at the supply chains, yes. right? It's, um, That's right. If there's no... If there's no truck to deliver gas yes. for whatever, you know, we're not going to get political here, but yes. for whatever reason, yes. right? Yeah. Um, if there's no trucks to deliver gas, right. no gas to deliver, deliver the food on the trucks, yes. where where is the food going? That's like, right. Where is it going to come from? That's right. Who hunts? That's is right. like my first question. That's right. That's exactly right. How do yeah. you, how do you, you know, I, I've I've you know read a few. You know, as as pure entertainment, some of these sure. uh, post-apocalyptic books. <laughs> you know, and the and the apocalypse comes in all these different ways. Yeah, um, yeah. The, one of the ones that I read was about a, an electromagnetic pulse, sure, that destroys everything that's electronic, and it's amazing the amount. And and honestly, the the the, the calculations are legit. How many people would die because of the su- supply thing thing that you're talking about right. that we depend on? Like my food. The thing that keeps me alive mm-hmm. is a function of a, a, a fragile supply chain that if you break that chain as a person who doesn't know how to, mm-hmm. you know, catch his own food, I learn, but right. who doesn't know how to catch his own food, what does that mean? Right. Like how, how, how easily could I find myself on the bad end of something as simple as hunger? Exactly. You know? Right. Um, and so reading those books kind of had me I'm not, I'm not a prepper or anything like no. that but boy I'll right. tell you I think about those things Keep I an extra roll to yes. paper let me tell you I, I, <laughs> there are some basic things I do keep around the house that are just sure. simple things that don't take a whole lot I mean hell we're in the middle of the where we get hurricanes mm-hmm. um, it doesn't take a whole lot to oh, put yourself right. in five days of, of no, you know, power. Well, even in that recent, like, shortage with food, yes, uh, you can see how quickly things, det- like, oh, yes. are depleted, right? Yes. Um, or supply chains that are yes. ordering just to, fu- only just to fulfill, not yes. to stock. And that's right? more and more. Because right. cause there's more, the, the, there's more efficiency in that model, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's trying to make more money. Sure. So a lot of these businesses are trying to be so savvy mm-hmm. that they have such streamlined supply chains right. that there is no stock. So the minute something changes in their expectations, in their calculations, right. you find yourself toilet paper free. Right. Like we did in the middle of <laughs> the beginning you're of COVID. Oh my gosh. Using your hand. I right. have never gotten that uncomfortable. Man. I was like, oh, every, every day I'd go into public, I'd look right. around and say, oh my gosh, oh, there's no toilet paper. I gotta paper. use my sheets. That, that's, that's right. <laughs> Those really fancy uh, napkins that they have, man. I started shopping for those. Those really That's, expensive napkins. The people that have the bidets are like, ha like losers, right? Exactly. Dude, we've been prepping this entire time. That's right. Unreal. Yeah. Um, and then prepping your house, right, for mm-hmm. survival, right? I'm going to bring it back to prepping your mind, yeah. prepping, prepping your soul, right? Yeah. Like, how do you take care of yourself? Because yeah. you work in a really high-stress yes. environment, I, w- yeah. I would say, yes. from an outside perspective. Yes. How does... Dr. John Wesley take care of himself? So it's a good question. I, I will start by saying um, it is always a work in progress. Um, I suspect I will always fall short. Um, but even the trying to get better 
mm-hmm. is is good. The trying to get better is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the the best way to put it is is I try to have baseline perspective about my life. Perspective is what puts um, expectations in the right order, in the right priority. Most times that we get upset about things or that we get anxious about things is because there is a gap between what you expect to be and mm-hmm. what is. Okay. Um, we oftentimes will set our expectations too high. Look, you, you, if you are a kid that grows up in the first world and you don't get breakfast, it is something that makes you rant. Mm-hmm. If you're a kid who never really knows if they're going to have a meal that day or not, and you get breakfast, that same breakfast that may or may not show up makes the difference between being elated or despondent. Right. Now, that, you know, that's an extreme example, but I believe that that's a good corollary for life. And that is you start off, number one, I, you know, as a believer, I do believe that we are, you know, the fact that we are able to contemplate, you and I are sitting mm-hmm. right here having a conversation, is a baseline blessing. Yeah, You I don't agree. have to say anything else. The fact that we are doing that part is a baseline blessing. And in fact, if you take a step back and think of how many people today would love to be sitting in a chair right now doing this thing, or, or just doing anything, I would, would, right. how many people would love to be alive right now? I would, yes. And also, like, not have to worry about where the next meal is coming that's, from, that's right? That's exactly right. I, I think that's what you're alluding to, right? Is like, that's right. You can have a conversation, not have to worry about anything else. That's right. That's right. So that's a basic right. thing, right? Yep, yep. And not have to worry, like, yeah, I can talk to somebody and not have to, like, wor- like worry about what they're going to do to me. Yes. <laughs> like, in a civil, like, civil like, society, right? Yes. And then not to worry, like, with how our lives are now in the 21st century in yeah. a first world country, right? Yeah. Not yeah. have to worry about, oh, I have to go walk two miles to get clean water, That's right. right. I, That's I don't right. have to prep for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also agree with that, to have that baseline. Yeah, I'm super blessed to even just have clean water, right? Yes. And You, you woke up this morning breathing. <laughs> Boy, that's an amazing blessing to start off with. Um, and it's interesting how that evolves over time because mm-hmm. look, we, we, we evolve, we do, mm-hmm. we, we, we change over time. We, we, it is, it is never always going to be sunny and roses. Um, you know, you and I share having lost a parent, you know, we didn't have the same parent, obviously. No, right, right, right. Yeah. No, I, lost I just, my mother I, a couple of years ago. I, um, I don't fully remember that conversation. Yeah, we I, I, we never have. I don't think we have. I don't think that's honestly. Yeah. I don't think we have. Yeah, I but, was like, so what is that yeah. story for you? So so my mother, my mother died when she was eighty four. Okay, and uh, she had suffered uh, from chronic illnesses for a while, so okay. it was not expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when your parents reach their eighties, it's a you know it's very different. So circumstances are certainly very different, and mm-hmm. yet, I will tell you, the the thing that I feared most in my entire life was the loss of my parents. Mm-hmm. Like that was the thing. Like I wasn't scared of clowns. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> right. afraid of the dark. Know, or, right, yeah. none of that stuff. I was afraid. Some weird for some re- weird reason that was the thing. And yet, I found myself a couple of years ago facing that reality. Mm-hmm. And in spite of that, found myself being able to find joy in that moment. Now it makes you dig a whole lot deeper, because you know your human your human part comes out when you just miss the presence of that human yeah. being. It's hard not to. It's hard to dig to that next level, you know, and the better place and all those other things. But boy, um, but I do believe being able to kind of um, start off with those blessings, start off waking up saying, boy, I just took a breath. Didn't have to happen. Right. Is, is, is for me, what puts things in perspective is moderating my expectations so that I can find happiness, peace, and joy in any circumstance. Mm-hmm. And that is critical. That is critical. You know, speaking of my mother, it's a very wise woman. And um, she she um, uh, came to visit me when I was in residency. I was in, in Washington, D.C. We, we drove to Philadelphia to see a, a, a comedy show. We're driving back and on 95 on the way back, there's a horrible accident somewhere down the line on 95. 
Um, I, as the young, impatient, 20-something-year-old kid, was just incensed that we are now not moving. Literally, you could get out of the car and have a snack and, and right. move. I mean, it is... Well, we were in a situation like that exactly. way back. Exactly. I just thought about that, man. We shared that together. Right. So, um, so um, I am getting really upset. My mother's trying to give me some perspective. Mm-hmm. So she mentioned to me that whole, that, that serenity prayer that, you know, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Everybody mm. knows that thing is always printed on somebody's mm. grandmother's kitchen. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful prayer. In my opinion, it says, it says volumes. And, you know, I found myself, you know, feeling a little bit better about it, but still a little anxious about being like, I have to work the next day. Sure, and sure. So <clears throat> I am like, um, at some point, I stopped getting upset, but uh, about being in traffic. But I'm upset that people are traveling down the the shoulder to get in front of me, right? Ah, uh, yep. So now I pull my car halfway in the shoulder so <laughs> nobody can pass me. I also do that. And my mother tried to challenge me. She <laughs> said, "Son, what did I just tell you?" And I said, "Mom, I'm just having the courage to do so, to change the things that I can change. They're not getting past me." <laughs> and then she said something that sort of is the whole point of the story, which was profound to me, which was, why do you have to be home now? Mm -hmm. How different is your life going to be whether you get home in an hour or three hours? How do you know that the person on that shoulder, there's not someone in that car having a heart attack or that they had a kid at home that's, you know, Mm. you know, whatever the circumstances, you don't know. Mm-hmm. What you do know is, is that you're okay. So just chill out and this will this will all be over. And to be frank with you, the only thing I remember from that whole thing were those lessons. I don't remember yeah. being stuck in traffic. I don't remember the, you know, the disdain from that. But that is about perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look at that traffic accident as I can't believe I'm not getting home, or you can say, God, I really feel for those people who were in that car. Like, how right. bad must it be for the folks who were in that accident? Right. And also, they probably also feel bad for holding everyone else yes, up yes, at the yes. same time. Or, or, God forbid, it's fatal. Right. You know, they would love to be sitting in traffic as mm. opposed to going off to the hospital somewhere or mm-hmm. not being alive. Right. So I think perspective matters. I think that, you know, so so the biggest ingredient for me for my sort of mental health and my you know, my sense of inner peace is really about perspective. Um, number two is about um, purpose. Mm-hmm. Those are two P's not on purpose. It's not going to be like <laughs> the three P's or anything like that. But purpose uh, matters. I think having something to do, having something that, you know, makes you something of accomplishment, something that you can get better at, something mm-hmm. that you can do to serve, something, any right. of those things I think matters. Um, I think that those are, um, are, uh, very important parts of inner peace. And then, um, there's a third one that I was thinking of and I'll, I'll come back to it, but those are two preparation is definitely good. (laughs) There's three piece. No, that, that's a very good one. I mean, (laughs) preparation certainly helps you to minimize the, 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 the probability that an unexpected outcome will rattle your boat. Mm-hmm. Now, life mm-hmm. will always throw that curveball. I think it was Marcus Aurelius that said, you know, I'm going to live out the worst possible yes. outcomes of a situation and relive that so that when it does happen, I've already experienced yeah. it. That's, that's, um, that's pretty profound. I um, I found myself doing that, you know, with, uh, I guess, when my, when my dad passed too, of like, what's the worst case? Um, when, when he was passing, right? Yeah. Um, so it was... I want to say expected, but clearly, like, you could see a deterioration in, like, the disease process that I don't think a lot of, you know, mid-20s go through seeing no. a parent, right? It's um, it's not normal, but it's my normal. Mm-hmm. And it's normal to a lot of other people that yes. I've come to find out, yes. right? Um, that, you know, I the grieving process um, didn't – it started before it happened. I had to, like, think about what I'm going to do. Yeah. Like how am I going to handle it right. when it happens? And it was not something that I wanted to do, but I feel like I had to do. And that's like I could put those emotions to the side yeah. for that time being to like handle uh, arrangements yeah. and 
get those over with. And then it all came out. Yeah. <laughs> it all yes. came out in a, in a waterfall, right? Yes. Um, so that, especially with this, with this podcast is like men feel that too. Yes. And it's, it's societal norm to, you know, ball it up as men. Yes. And I, I feel like it's a human experience. Yes. To experience that. Yes. Yeah. You, you, you ignore that at your peril. Mm. It'll make its way out in some way. Um, you know, it really will, will make its way out in some way. And so you do have to recognize, you know, those feelings, those thoughts and, and be very comfortable. Look, I, I am a, you know, again, 53 year old, soon to be 54 year old man mm-hmm. who grew up in a generation. I remember once, like <laughs> I was probably like 13 or so. Sure. And I just, again, thinking about my parents dying for some reason, I think I mm-hmm. heard something about somebody's mm-hmm. grandparent dying or something. Mm-hmm. I was like in the bathroom crying. And my dad heard me and he was like, is everything okay? And I said, oh, everything's great. You know, everything's okay. He was like, well, stop all that crying in there. You know, I came through a generation sure. where you better have a good reason for crying. You know, either you just mm-hmm. cut yourself mm-hmm. and then at 13, you can't really cry for that either. <laughs> um, but But I do believe that, you know, we have evolved... And we should evolve past that to recognize the fact that you can hide the tears, but the hurt is real. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a mechanism for expressing that, mm-hmm. and if you don't actually, if you don't accept the fact that it's okay for you to hurt, mm-hmm. then that creates that expectation reality gap, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. then you start thinking, what's wrong with me? How can I be so sad? Right, you know, right. Um, and so that goes back to the whole, you know, the alignment of expectation and reality is, um, is, is, I, I think, quintessential for inner peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I've also read somewhere that, you know, experience like crying is like the maxima, your body lets out that after it's experienced the maximum amount of some emotion, right? It could be happiness, could be mm-hmm. like, could be grief, right? Yes. And that's like, that's the experience of oh, my body's had it. I'm yes. just going to let it out physically. Right. Yep. And then what are some ways that you find an outlet for that before yeah. they get to that point? So, you know, I have found, I, I, I will make a confession here that I am not that good at it. Okay. In fact, I am really good at suppression. Interesting. And, and I say that with no pride. Um, I, I think, it comes from this idea that I have to function and that, you know, my ability to multitask, my ability to be sad and to Mm -hmm. be, you know, to take care of my daily activities is not that great. I know folks who can really do that. I mean, they can manage, you know, all kinds of parallel circumstances. Perceptively from the outside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So um, what I have found, though, is conversations, and if you if you fear if you if you don't know who to talk to, mm-hmm. you know having you know counselors or um, you know a therapist or whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is, having the ability to let it out and mm-hmm. to to express it, I think is is important because supp- what suppression does is that it pre- prevents you from being able to work through it. Um, now suppression works in the moment, right? If mm-hmm. I am trying to put out of a fire, you know, I need to right. suppress anything that's kind of like in my way of concentrating on this fire. Mm-hmm. But you got to have a way of letting that thing back up and addressing it. And if you don't, it'll just lurk mm-hmm. and it'll come back and get you. And I do believe that there is, you know, there is a um, physiologic outcome from that. I do believe that it, you know, adds to stress and mm-hmm. cortisol and all those things sure. that really wreak, wreak havoc on the body. It just sits there and... You know, th- there's something to be said about those who can be expressive, who know how to cry. Yeah, I think there is some sort of, um, I want to say balance, right? Because that's the thing, it's cliche. But there's a certain threshold of like, the masculine is seen as a strong being. Yeah. That can withhold certain situations without outbursting, right? Yeah. Um, because I think like, as quote unquote a man, right? There's yes. a certain threshold of, Let's not cry about everything, right? right let's right. like let's not step our toe and like right. outburst, right? Right. Um, it's gonna hurt, right? Right. But it's also okay to express that, that's even right. if it's in, with someone you care, yeah. Like someone that cares for you and yes. you can trust, right? That's exactly right. I think it's good. I think it's a good starting point. Yes. To if you can do it by yourself, great. Right. If you can do it and talk it out with someone that you can trust, right? 
awesome, right? Yeah. I think it's being okay with letting it happen is the big thing. Yeah. So I think a lot of guys feel like it's not okay. Yeah. They shouldn't be that, feeling sad. That, that's exactly right. And I agree that there's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are things that are, you know, and again, this is in the eye of the beholder, but mm-hmm. that probably in most eyes would be considered trivial. Say, for example, that mm-hmm. folks might, you know, you know, you know, would, would, you know, spilling your milk, say, for example, is not sure. the kind of thing that you need to lose it over. No, right. But again, that goes back to the alignment of expectation and reality, mm-hmm. because when you have those things aligned, there aren't too many things that'll move you enough to cry out of despair. Mm-hmm. When life throws you that curveball and expectation goes away, I mean, and reality goes way outside of what your expectation is. Mm-hmm. Losing your parent is, you kind of know it'll happen, but boy, it still hurts. You don't want yeah. that thing. No. Um, then those are the circumstances in which your ability to kind of uh, cope with that becomes very important to be able mm-hmm. to function. Mm-hmm. Um by the way, before I forget it, the third thing I was thinking about is <laughs> is um, understand what your personal race is. You're, you're running your own race mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. running anybody else's race. A comparison. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like understanding that you know you are running this 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 individual race, this marathon. Like I cannot compare my life to your life, mm-hmm. and I can't look at your life and say, "Boy, I wish I had." Um, you know, my my race is a very personal race, and I have to form my own goals and targets mm-hmm. and things like that, and 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 derive my happiness from my own personal goals and achievements, right. and not comparing them to other folks. Has that happened to you before? Um, it's hard not to happen, um, <sighs> but I have found as I've gotten older that boy, that individual race thing is a real thing for me. Um, you know, the biggest thing, the easiest thing, is in in the world of material goods. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the most easy manifestation of what somebody has or doesn't have, you know, you know, how someone's doing it is a little more nuanced, but you know, someone, you know, who, I don't know, has a bigger house than yours or a nicer car than yours or whatever. It, it, it can produce like, uh, you know, a sense of what am I doing wrong? You know, mm-hmm. one of the examples is in, and this happens for a lot of young folks is, you know, I think when you're younger, you're really a lot more hung up on looks. So young, sure. young folks will look at a Instagram photo of somebody who's ripped up and they're not that ripped up. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden their expectation line just changes. Dude, we had a uh, Dr. Mike Vito on here a few weeks ago talking about body image in males. Uh-huh. Yes. It's the same thing with females too. Yes. Is that the expectation of, even for myself too, yes. it's like, oh, I'm not jacked and right. I can't run a four minute mile right. at the same time. Right. What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, losing weight to look right. skinnier and also yeah. being skinny and trying to gain weight to look ripped, shredded, right. oh, insert right. description, right? Right. Um, it, that comparison thing will drive you crazy. Yes, <laughs> it will drive you crazy. And honestly, if you dig a little deeper to ask yourself, why do we want to be that thing? Right. It is usually um, when we are trying to define our own self-worth. Mm-hmm. But if that self-worth comes from inside, then it's a little different, and you know, it 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 then makes it less imperative to you. Number one, number two is is that the truth is is that you know, particularly when you're younger, part of your rationale, whether you're a woman or a man, is to attract the opposite sex. Sure, right. So being jacked, you know, having a you know six pack instead of a, a four pack, right. You know, will increase the odds of you attracting the opposite mm-hmm. sex. Mm-hmm. But ask yourself the question. Anybody who would make the distinction of whether they wanted to be with you or not, based on whether you had a six pack or four pack, is that somebody you want to hit? Who, who's wagon you want to hit yourself to? Probably not. Mic drop. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, um, probably not. I think the same thing as like, um, yeah. Uh, you post all the stuff on social media. You show off your body. Yeah. Um, whether it's male or female, right? And it's who are you attracting, right? Are you? You say you know. With there's like females showing off their body on Instagram. It's like you say there's a bunch of trash guys coming yes. after you, but you also show off your body, at, and those same guys are attracted yes. to that. Like, yeah. you, who yeah. who's to blame? I that, don't know. That, that's and and what it what it says is is that that becomes the sin. This is the most important quality that I want to convey to you. Now again, look, everybody has their own right to kind of show them. Look, I I'll buy a nice suit and like to look good in sure. my suit. Sure. But I am now driven to the point where. You know, 
I like to dress nicely because I like how it feels and how I look in it. But honestly, I know I don't have a six-pack, man. I'm not the dude who, like, I will go on a beach and know I'm not the guy who's ripped. I'm not going to have people running from all over the place to come witness me taking my shirt off. <laughs> not happening, my friend. It is not happening. And to be honest with you, I am okay with that. Right. There is a point in your life where you realize, and, you know, again, not to, if, if, no, if none of the audience knows, I'm 53 <laughs> years old, soon to be 54. Um, there is a point in which you change your perspective, too. Because, again, mm. you realize that, you know, one, I want to be ha- happy, healthy, you know, functional. I want to be, you know, free of pain. I want to, sure. you know, prevent injuries. And, you know, I do like to improve my performance riding a bike or running or lifting or whatever. But it's kind of an inner thing. Right. It makes me feel good when I do it. But if I fall short, it's not that big of a deal to me. And my world is not, you know, if, if my acceptance was dependent on that outcome, mm-hmm. boy, I have a shallow, you know, source of friends and family. Right. Right. If yeah. you're if you're sourcing that that network yeah. to be, I'm talking about not family, right? Not right, right, right. But um, well, it's part of your network, but you're not, you're not seeing them as a network, right? Right. right. Um, your like your friendships, your relationships. If you're sourcing that based on shallow criteria, you're gonna yeah. get that back. I believe. So, oh yes. Right? Oh no doubt. Um, no doubt. If you're if you're basing that out of qualities that supersede just how you look, you're uh, you're gonna get that reap that reward, yeah. right? Yeah. It, look, 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 it feeds our, our, our you know, our, our endorphins peak when we get praise. I mean, it's honestly, mm-hmm. the social media has really brought that out a lot. It's, it's not just praise about what you look like, but it's, you know, you know, when I send this thing out on, you know, Facebook, this killer meme or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, having people say that's the funniest thing in the world, you know, is, is a bit of a feedback for which you get endorphins. Dude, it's, you, know, it's, you get an endorphin rush. I call it brainstem stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. it's so primal oh, um, yes. to get that instant feedback, right? That's exactly it's right. It's turned, I feel like, um, and, okay, I'm going to sidetrack. So working with the nonprofit, the uh-huh. Male Wellness Collective, it's like we use this podcast as like the intimate medium to... Okay disseminate like what we're doing and, and projects and also have guests on to share their right. insights right we talk about certain things that are like usually you wouldn't be hearing like normally like doctor's office kind of right. stuff so like right. hearing like you know porn addiction right. like masturbation right? right and it's like you have that instant feedback of also instagram social media of like i did this thing with like minimal effort and got this feedback right i don't need to do anything else i got that dopamine rush right but also like Internet pornography, uh, whatever have you, insert instant feedback. Right. Um, you're not really motivated to do much else. Yeah, yeah. It it it's like sugar. Honestly, mm. it is it is it is a rush, um, but it doesn't leave you feeling too fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so, but it all kind of goes back to this whole inner peace thing and sort of understanding where your source of true happiness is. Mm. Sugar will never make you. It will never sustain. It'll make you feel good in that moment. Sure. Then you crash a few minutes later, and you know, and your teeth <laughs> rot, and you get right. diabetes, and do all that other stuff. But, yeah. um, but there is nothing like having a good, substantive nourishment of your soul. And I think following those, you know, those basic guidelines, like looking within, understanding the kind of things that will um, give you substantive rewards. Um, being able to find beauty in the simplest of things. Man, there is nothing like, every now and then I'm driving into work. It's not the case now with the daylight mm-hmm. savings time now, mm-hmm. but every now I would, I would drive into work and I'd see in just an otherworldly sunrise and mm. would find just amazing pleasure and beauty in that. It's not anything that you know I will get credit for. You know, I don't, you know, the feedback isn't the, you know, right. the thing from it. It is just something that I feel like was almost painted just for me. Mm. And... I love the ability to find immense pleasure in the simplest of things. And, um, and, and I think that when you can derive your pleasure from the simplest of things, um, then I think you're less likely to depend on those sugar rushes to find mm. your peace because eventually your meme ain't gonna be that funny. You might be really funny now, but you're not gonna be the most popular dude. Eventually, your TikTok <laughs> right. videos will stop being that. Right, you right. know, will stop being that funny. You know, it's it's weird because it's like, yeah, for this podcast, it's I need to use that medium to get that traction to get that exposure. Yeah, but I'm also in the deal with like. How can I make it palatable? How can I make it interesting? How can I make it so such and such to get that feedback, right? Yeah. 
So it's it's kind of a toxic environment. Yeah. Right but um. Yeah, but you know, I, I'll tell you, it's like any other tool. Um, can be very valuable when used right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, chainsaw is awesome when you have to cut down limbs and a tree. Really bad when you're trying to clip your nails or something like that. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. it, you know, right. if you're trying to fix like, if you're trying to fix your, I guess, in moment sadness by some kind of like dopamine rush from that, it's not going to last. That's that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, on the flip side, you know, I know uh, plenty of folks who are separated from their, you know, primary family. Mm-hmm. Um, they've moved, you know, several time zones away, mm-hmm. and the ability to keep in contact with folks is just such a, 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 a an amazingly fulfilling. Uh, and useful thing. It's mm-hmm. a great tool. Um, it can be a tool for bullying and to make make people feel less than. It is a. Um, it can create faux bravery in people who have no problem throwing mm-hmm. stones and um, who are, you know, w- without, you know, castigating eyes upon them, throw all kinds of stones. You know. Yeah, get them to sit down here at the table. That's it's right. a really different story. That's right. Right. That's right. Agreed. Um, Dr. John Wesley, everyone, I just want to thank you again for coming in. Sharing, it is my pleasure. Sharing some space here with everybody. Uh, how can we find you? Are you on social media at all? After that conversation, so, right? So <laughs> if professionally, um, uh, I am on uh, www.arteryinvain.com. I think we have a Facebook page as mm-hmm. well. That's mm-hmm. just the name of my practice. Got I'm it. in a group of uh, with, with five other vascular surgeons uh, in the Central Florida area. Um, and... Uh, my personal profile is pretty, pretty weak. Not on Instagram. <laughs> I think I might have a Twitter account because I wanted to follow a couple of folks. Sure, sure. Um, but I don't think I've. I posted on Facebook probably twice in the 15 years that I've had it. Um, it's it's not my mechanism for right. communication. But again, I'm old, so you know I'm kind of guy who would write a letter or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's a big there's a comeback for that. Now. Yeah, I know some people that own their own businesses of like. We're going to send hand, handmade letters, Yes, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I just want to thank you again yeah, for coming. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, right. my friend. Yes. Absolutely. And, and um, thank you for doing this. I think this is an important topic. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, probably talked about um, not as frequently as it should be. Agreed. Yeah. That's why we're here. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I want to have you on again soon. Absolutely. I want to have cameras in here so we have actually, actually show your face, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, guy, yeah. so, guys, yeah. Uh, be sure to hit the donate yeah. link in the description. We, uh, if you are not following us on Instagram, we are backbone underscore broadcast on Instagram as well. Same as the YouTube channel. And guys, until next time, show your backbone.